0: It's Tuesday, December fifteenth. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, one of the hosts of Industry Focus, Christine Hargis, an occasional host, but always you can always find him on Fool.com. Michael Douglas. Thanks for being here, both of you.
1: Yeah, glad to be here. Fantastic.
0: Uh, this weekend on the Motley Fool Money Radio Show, we're going to be doing our 2015 year in review. And when I was thinking about that show, I, one of the thoughts I had was, I'm willing to bet lots and lots of money. That we're not going to be talking about healthcare at all. There's a lot, there's a lot to cover when you're doing a year-in-review show, and I thought, you know what, we're not really going to delve into healthcare. So that's why I wanted to have you guys on because you are among the the expertiest healthcare experts we have here at the (laughs) Motley Fool. Um, So let's hit a few of the big items for the year-in-review in healthcare, and let's start with just the business story of the year in healthcare. And we're talking about a massive industry, but Christine, when you think back on 2015, what's the story of the year?
1: The thing that stands out to me is the massive industry consolidation that we've seen, and this goes beyond healthcare. I mean, this is an unprecedented year for mergers and acquisitions. I think actually it's the biggest year ever. As of a couple of days ago, we hit that mark.
0: We still have a couple of weeks to go, but yeah, it's, <laughs> so to, might to, as well
1: go ahead and get above that. To to run no, we up actually the loot. we did. As of a couple of days ago, hit that last M and A point that it took us over. I think twenty twelve is the year that, yep. or maybe it's two thousand and seven. I don't really remember what the year was, but doesn't matter because twenty fifteen wins. Um, as of Right now, we're on pace for 4.7 trillion in M&A this year, but just within healthcare, also a huge year. I mean, we across the sub industries of healthcare, you're seeing it. I mean, you're seeing it with drug makers. You've got Pfizer merging with Allergan, which is a 160 billion dollar deal, incredibly huge, right there. You've got Walgreens acquiring Rite Aid, so that's your retail pharmacy space. Even in uh, health insurers, a couple of deals there: Anthem bought Cigna, uh, Aetna bought Humana. It's something that's happening across the industry, and really, to me, stands out as a huge business story for 2015.
0: Why do you think this has happened? Because at the beginning of this year, one of the predictions you heard frequently was 2015 is going to be a huge year for mergers and acquisitions in the oil and gas industry. And the thesis was, the price of oil has gone straight down, and this is historically when the bigger players, the Exxon ExxonMobiles, the Chevrons, etc., snap up the smaller players whose balance sheets can't really handle 12 more months of this kind of pricing. That doesn't seem to be the reason here, though.
1: You get a kind of similar justification when you look at drug makers. I've uh, got a lot of big giants that are facing patent woes, more or less. They, they've hit a cliff where all of a sudden they used to have exclusivity on their key drugs that time is over. And so, a lot of companies are taking big hits because of that. And the way that they can compensate for that is to snap up some of these smaller players in the industry to try to boost up their own product lines without necessarily having to develop it all in-house. So, it comes down to pricing, too, on the other end of that. Um, that's definitely going to be the case with a lot of your health insurers. The more people you have, the better you can bargain. Um, so I, I mean, I think there are similar arguments to be made across industries that, in general, it's a way to boost business, and it has to do with pricing.
2: And even to add to that a little bit, um, you've seen justifications in a couple of the mergers on the drug side where they've said, "Well, you know, the people that we're that we're negotiating with, the insurers, they're consolidating, so we have to too if we're going to sort of be in a one-to-one relationship with them, because you don't want, you know, if you're a five-pound, two-pound chihuahua, you don't want to be negotiating with an eight-hundred-pound gorilla, right? You'd like to both be eight-hundred-pound gorillas."
0: I'm a 185-pound man, and I don't want to negotiate with an 800-pound gorilla. Nobody wants to negotiate with an 800-pound gorilla. Uh, Michael, your business story of the year. Um, I think it was the
2: introduction of the first biosimilar uh, in the United States, approved by the FDA in March of 2015. So, going way back to the to first quarter. Um, so.
0: First, explain to me what a biosimilar is.
2: Right. So, so Christine mentioned that you have um, companies losing their patent protection on their drugs, and so what usually happens with that is then a generic drug will get created, right? And you all see this all the time with Tylenol, and then it's generics in the in the pharmacy aisles and sort of whatever else. Um, with With biologic drugs, that's a more complicated and difficult process. Basically, because of how they're created and their structure, it's it's much more difficult to you you can't get an exact copy, you can get something that's similar, which is why they call it a biosimilar. Um, and this is as you can imagine with any sort of generic drug, right? It's an opportunity to go ahead and lower prices um, because these biosimilars are generally being priced at a, a much lower Amount, again, you know, look at Tylenol versus its generics. You can see the difference. Um, It's not as substantial on the biosimilar side just because they have to do a lot more work to kind of prove that it's similar as opposed to the same like with a small molecule drug. Um, But this opens up just a big pathway for a lot of these biologic drugs to then hopefully become cheaper as their patent protections roll off in the market. So, it should be a good thing for U.S. consumers long-term. We'll see how it shakes out over the next couple of years, but it's a big trend.
0: So, it sounds like this is potentially a good thing for consumers. Mm -hmm. Are there Drug makers who are just rubbing their hands together with glee at the market opportunity here.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, Amgen has been one of the early uh, big players in biosimilars, um, and Pfizer uh, has been investing in there as well, pretty heavily. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, if if biosimilars are going to happen, uh, and your drugs are going to get hit, well, you might as well go ahead and sort of hit other people's drugs too. Um, and so you're kind of seeing this everyone kind of going after each other effect a little bit. But I'd say particularly Amgen and Pfizer have been big players there.
0: All right, let's move on to individual stocks. Uh, Christine, your healthcare stock of the year.
1: So this one's been my favorite stock all year long, and it's up seventy percent year to date. This is Portola Pharmaceuticals. Um, Household
0: name. I think we're all. Fa- no. <laughs> what?
1: If you listen to me talk about biotech enough, you have heard of Portola. So basically, their story is uh, they are developing a reversal agent for the new generation of blood thinners that are out there and they're really popular, they work really well, they're made by some of the biggest pharmaceutical companies out there, but there's no reversal agent. And you know, you hear that at first and you're like, "Okay, cool. Like why would you need to reverse a drug?" Right.
0: Doesn't that just make it a blood thickener?
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's essentially that's what it is. It stops the blood thinning, which is really good if you have somebody that might be prone to any sort of emergency for like a bleeding event um, or any sort of situation where you might need to quickly reverse the effects of the blood thinner. And this does occur every once in a while. So Portola is making this reversal agent. If it gets approved, and we're looking at probably a 2016 approval. This is going to have to be in stock at every hospital across the nation because this new generation of blood thinner is becoming more and more popular. Uh, meanwhile, another reason that I really like this company is because they're tiny, but they're working with the big guys. So you've got Johnson and Johnson; they make Xarelto, that's their blood thinner that's in this new class. Uh, Bristol Myers Squibb has Eliquis, and I. Uh, all these companies are just throwing money at Portolo, like, please make this reversal agent, because doctors are hesitant to prescribe the new anticoagulant if you don't have the reversal approved and on hand. So As soon as it gets approved, which I'm, as a shareholder, surely hoping that it does, <laughs> um, and by all means it looks like it will, uh, you're going to have Johnson and Johnson on your side. You're going to have BMY on your side promoting the drug for you, and meanwhile, Portola still has worldwide rights to the drug. So huge success story there so far, and hopefully more good news to come in
0: 2016. Is is this a company that is small enough that a Johnson and Johnson or some other behemoth would look at them and say, "Why don't we just buy these guys?" It's possible, but that's not that's not a th- that's not maybe in the top five of why you would want to own this stock?
1: Personally, I would never invest in a company just because of its buyout potential. Um, truly, I think if a company is a potential candidate for a buyout, it's because they're a fantastic business. And that's the reason why I'd want to put my money behind them to begin with.
0: Michael Douglas, what do you got?
2: So, uh, a, a stock that should be uh, well-known to many fools is called Exelixis. Um, Exelixis has uh, returned over 200% so far in 2015. Now of course we've got 2 weeks left. So, I don't know, maybe they could give all that back, but it seems fairly unlikely.
1: That's biotech.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say this, yeah, this is
0: a biotech. This is also, I mean, you just look at a 5-year chart of this stock, very much a roller coaster. Volatile ride. So, a a really good 2015, but Kind you know, of a Cinderella story yeah, from cha- from 2014. Cha- change the date and maybe we're having a different conversation.
2: Yeah, and 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 I specifically meant you know for 2015. This has been a really great stock, and that's because you know their primary drug, uh, uh, Kmetric, um, it failed in a big prostate cancer uh, trial last year, and that was a big part of the reason why its market cap suffered so much last year. This year, uh, recently actually in November, it. Um, it did very well in a second-line kidney cancer trial. Well, cabozantinib, which is the the, the drug behind Kmetric. Um And that has really helped the company, um, as well as its recent approval for its drug Cotelic, which is partnered with Roche, uh, which is a, a melanoma drug. So, um, really a lot of, kind of a double dose of good news for um, and. Certainly, when you look at its market cap, which is about 1.1 billion, you think about the potential sales. You know, it may be that there's still some growth opportunity in the in the company. It's definitely on my radar. It's on my watch list.
0: I should mention the ticker symbols uh, for Portola PTLA and for Exelixis EXEL. If you're a listener to Industry Focus, these are names very familiar to you. If you're just listening to Market Foolery, first of all, this is why you should be listening to Industry Focus. But you know. Uh, but those are the tickers. Uh, let's have a little fun. Worst CEO in healthcare this year. It's like it's it, this. This seems like a in sports. Every once in a while, it's not a question of who's going to be the most valuable player in the league this year in a given sport. It's will the vote be unanimous? <laughs> and my hunch is that if you've been paying attention to healthcare this year, the worst CEO. It's it's not a question of is this guy the worst CEO. It's just is the vote going to be unanimous?
2: Yeah, and I, I think I think the vote's unanimous. It's Martin Shkreli.
1: Yeah, in this room at least.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, can't speak for the rest of America, of course. But um, well, he was at one point termed the most hated man in America, or something like that. I've
1: seen that. I've also seen reports that he is biotech's biggest butthole. To there you put go. The words gently. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for cleaning
0: that up for our audience. Family uh, friendly. Uh, the children that are so. Listening. This is the guy. He was CEO of was it Turing Pharmaceuticals. Turing Pharmaceuticals. And and made headlines because he had a drug that seemingly, for no other reason than he just thought it would be nice to make a heck of a lot more money, raised the price on this drug by what percentage? From $13.50 a pill to $750 a pill, um, which
2: is an over 4,000% increase. Just because? Yep. Daraprim, (laughs) it's a 62-year-old drug for toxoplasmosis, um, and it caused a furor and I mean, you know, Hillary Clinton tweeted about it. Twitter just lit up about it. Um, and um, he's uh, he's actually recently started talking about doing kind of the same thing with another drug um, called uh, Ben. I'm going to butcher the name. You can't help it in healthcare, but Benznidazole. Um, which
0: sounds is, like you're missing a vowel there. I, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> another drug.
2: Anyway, yeah. Um, and he's guided that they're also going to improve, increase the price there significantly.
0: Um,
1: and on that one, he's suggested that they're going to increase the price to the level of hepatitis C drugs, which you're talking almost a hundred thousand dollars right yeah,
2: there. Yeah, I mean they they are they are not cheap. And and the thing is, listen, yeah, I'm sure he's making well, I'm sure he's making his shareholders a fair bit of money. Um, but when you think about the broad industry. Uh, the biotech and the pharma industry, this is setting off a conversation they really don't want to have.
0: I was just going to say, this reminds me of conversations I've had uh, with people I know in the auto industry mm-hmm. and about how, and most recently, Volkswagen. Um, but on any given year, we could be talking about Toyota, we could be talking about GM, but. When one of the automakers has some sort of major recall, there's an accident. In the case of Volkswagen, there's a massive cover-up of trying to defraud the public on mm-hmm. emission standards. All the other automakers see that news and they just shake their head. And it's just like, wow, my God. Now we're gonna, have, you know, this stink is gonna get on us. Yes. and that's the thing. Where I mean, you know, not just Hillary Clinton. Pretty much every politician on Capitol Hill was saying, Oh, now now we gotta look at you know now we gotta look at Pfizer, now we gotta haul all the big drug makers in here and start saying, Well, there you know, I don't think anyone necessarily begrudges pharmaceutical companies for trying to make a profit. But when you see this kind of massive Seemingly arbitrary price increase, then you're right. It just it absolutely sets off all these bells and whistles, and it's just you, I, I just picture all the other drug makers getting into a room with this guy, and just smacking the hell out of <laughs>
1: him. I think they do worse than that. I,
0: yeah, I... <laughs>
1: I'm just considering this guy's personality. I mean, he's not been a good representative of the pharmaceutical industry, to put it nicely.
0: Yeah. He also doesn't, and and we talked about this last week a little bit with Steve Els from Chipotle, who's um, been a very good CEO, and there are a lot of, and as I say, as a, this as a shareholder, there there are a lot of things I like about Steve Ellis and, and admire about him. But in his, he does not necessarily possess in his skill set a great presence on television, and that's fine because not every CEO needs to be good on TV, right. although it's helpful when they are. Um, in the case of Shkreli, it doesn't help his case that he is a young man who looks even younger than he is and just comes across on television as just this petulant child. Um, again, one more reason I think all the other big drug makers would love to get in a room with him with no windows and have a word <laughs> and have and have a word or two.
1: I mean, it almost makes for entertainment, which is kind of sickening if you're following the industry and you really care about this kind of thing, but I mean, this guy is Almost kind of funny if you can look at it in that lens. Like this is a dude that he's a
0: character. He's kind of a cartoon character.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean check his Twitter feed sometime. Exactly. The newest uh, edition of uh, news about Martin Scully is that he bought the new Wu Tang Clan album, which apparently was only going to be released to one person, whoever the highest bidder was. So he buys it for a reported two million dollars, and so now you've got people like. (laughs) (laughs) Just making up all sorts of information about this, I saw something this morning where apparently, and I don't know if this guy just made this up or if this is actually in the terms of the contract, but apparently there is a stipulation in the contract about this album that at some point during an 88 year period, the seller can legally plan an attempt to execute a heist to steal back the album. Said heist or caper can only be undertaken by currently active members of the Wu Tang Clan <laughs> and/or actor Bill Murray. <laughs> you
0: like, know what? This is I entertainment. I approve of that. Anything yeah. involving Bill Murray, I'm good with. <laughs> yeah, didow. <laughs> um, uh, before we wrap up, what uh, what is coming up on Industry Focus?
1: That's a good question. The healthcare uh, <laughs> edition
0: of Industry Focus, which is every Wednesday, and and for those who, because who, uh, I know we have some new listeners. We have a bunch of podcasts at the Motley Fool. Industry Focus is one of them. Um, it's daily, like Market Foolery. Um, but unlike Market Foolery, it's truly daily. It's Monday through Friday, whereas we just go Monday through Thursday. And every day, it's a different industry. It's a deep dive on financials and banking, um, energy, consumer goods, technology. And every Wednesday is the healthcare edition hosted by Christine.
1: Yeah, and we've got a great Motley Fool contributor that is on the show nearly every week with me, Todd Campbell. Um, we will maybe talk some more about M&A in the healthcare space. Honestly, I don't know what's on top quite yet.
0: You've got to tune in to listen. At uh, Market Foolery is our Twitter handle from Reed Wilson in Greenville, South Carolina. Man, Market Foolery has stepped up their music choices. I come for the financial talk, but I stay for the music. Thank you for that, Reed. Um, all credit to our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd. Who produces Market Foolery and spins the tunes? So, last Thursday, last Thursday's episode, we had a little something from Frank Sinatra because this weekend was Frank Sinatra's 100th birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, So, his version of Santa Claus is coming to town. And I'll just say this about Frank Sinatra no one in music history is as popular as Frank Sinatra, is the most popular musician, musical entertainer of all time. Uh, as big as Taylor Swift is right now, that's how big Sinatra was for at least, I'm gonna say twenty five to thirty years. Mm-hmm. um it's It's just incredible. Um, so that's Sinatra and the one hundredth birthday. But you know, we want to get a little contemporary. So yesterday, uh, Dan bringing in a little Twisted Sister, which I was completely unaware, the Twisted Sister had cut a Christmas album, I feel like, I totally drop. I feel like that's something I just should have known. So, thinking of that. And today, it's, uh, it's the Slackers, just your average reggae, ska, rock and roll band doing their version of a holiday classic. Michael Douglas, Christine Harges, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's gonna do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.
3: And when it gets so tired, it drops and then I win. I like to play with it. <laughs> it loves to dance and spin. A lovely game of trade Come on now let's begin Dreidel 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 I made it out of clay When it's dry and ready Dreidel I will play Dreidel 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 I made it out of clay When it's dry and ready Dreidel I will play play with treedle. It likes to dance and spin A happy game of dreidel